truth and your word is light it's healing health and it's wholeness for us so we just want to receive your word and bask in the the expectation that comes in your word and the feeding and the richness and the wisdom that comes with your holy word and we thank you for it lord in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 so i'm going to finish up talking about i realized there were a couple of things that i started and hadn't quite gotten um the end of and i thought i would continue on your bout with doubt who's gonna win your bout without a pity the fool that <laughs> had to throw that in for those of you who want to go to sleep you can't go to sleep on me yeah so anyway pity the fool that tried to fight against the holy ghost <laughs> so we want to be wise people right we want to fight let fight with god not against him and uh so we we know that there is a fight of faith that that god has delivered to us we've he delivered the faith to us and the fight comes with it it's an automatic thing there is no faith in god without a fight and we have to just get ready and get braced for it understand it understand that God's with us it's not a fight that's where the end of it is up for grabs it's a fight where we already know the ending so you want to always be on the winning side of any battle you know I think if if people history could rewrite itself the people who lost battles wish they could have been on the winning side had they known who was going to win they would have signed up to be a winner instead of a loser because nobody wants to lose there's great um a loss sometimes in defeat and defeat there sometimes you you lose possessions things you lose standing you lose confidence there's so much that's that's lost there and so much to be gained in in the good fight of faith and winning that and so that's why God assures us of victory he's already mapped out the path of victory uh, our our goal and our quest really is to study this so that we understand what we're doing and we when we step out in faith we do it from a position of victory and not a position of defeat sometimes your 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 victory will come just with longevity you ever notice that the guy that winds up last in the factory closes the doors on her you know the the people who are scared you know there's a rumor we're going to shut down and then the scared people start running out first and then the next batch of people the followers that follow the fearful go out after that and it's always the the ones with confidence well i'm not afraid to be the last one here and i'm not afraid to be here if it doesn't close I remember praying for my husband's late husband's place of employment back in the 80s and it's still open today and he left because he was so certain you know it was closing down so forth and so on but that place is still open you know so there's there's a place where your faith if you are contending for something because you deal with everlasting faith this and this is the thing you have to get you have to understand this both on a a natural keep it in your your natural mind uppermost there and the mind of the spirit and feed that mind of the spirit in, in a renewed fashion 
and so forth and so on. You have to keep that straight. That uh, um, when when there's uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Why did I forget? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, when you're contending, yeah, it, the fight is stronger because the stakes are higher. See if you can make an everlasting change in something, the the person that's trying to hold on to it is going to fight you a lot harder. And this is why people uh, people of faith, so to speak, get a little discouraged because we're accustomed to things or wanting to think that things happen very quickly. But where when you talk about what's at stake here, you realize that there's something of everlasting value, and the person who is losing it is a thief you got me and is not playing by uh, Marcus of Kingsbury rules so to speak you know what I'm saying some rules that are kind of set in stone and and embraced and adopted by the whole people in the the fighting game he has no rules that he fights by and he'll fight by his wits and he'll study you for a long time to see where he can get a, a leverage in your life and plant things there to keep you over on his side. And that's what he wants. He gets the believer over on his side trying to fight with carnal weapons and trying to get you know, get an, an edge that way or thinking that, that God's going to be too slow that's that's a lie he always tells on god everything god does is real slow where you look in the first book of genesis if if you believe the day-by-day account the world was created pretty quickly you know everything that was created was created pretty fast but god can do fast or slow i think we're the ones who add the slow to it because we have to work through so much stuff to finally believe god so in first uh timothy in chapter six that was where a scripture we're taking our scripture uh from and in verse 12 he says in verse 11 he says but you O o man of god flee these things so what are we running away from in order to fight the good fight of faith well he talks about things that that the world values he talks about being discontent with our lives he talks about uh, uh, false doctrine consenting to unwholesome words and unwholesome doctrine carnal things uh, boasting railings perverse disputings arguing with people over nothing you know just having a, a, a strength contest I guess with words instead of being a peaceful person and not being content with with having food and clothing you know and, and that kind of thing and so he's talking about the lure of riches all of the things that the world offers that we don't seek after our kingdom is not of this world so why are we so consumed with the world's goods and so he says but you old man flee these things follow after righteousness godliness the things that Jesus died to give us faith love patience and meekness so he says follow after the fruit of the spirit and not the fruit of the earth you got me so we follow the fruit of the spirit we'll go after the intangible 
unshakable eternal things. The things that build us up in our spirit and make us strong in the spirit. And then we can draw the things of this earth to us. This is a spiritual thing. But if we're contending for things in the natural, we'll never be able to possess them. We'll never be able to get them. And so it's it's a, a, a kind of a losing losing war there if you're not over in the realm of the spirit. So he says fight the good fight of faith in other words instead of fighting bickering with people mincing words uh, trying to get the best of somebody little petty arguments that you want to win because you want to be seen as on top of things or you know I'm the best because I won the argument kind of thing you know that's that's worldly it's in, in verse 5 it's it's referred to as perverse disputings twisted conversations you have with people where you just want to have the last word you just want to let somebody know you're you're the best and he talks about being godly and he says people of corrupt minds do that thing that's that's the thing that they do when they want to ask every preacher in the world what they think of homosexuality you know that's a twisted dispute because you're leading somebody into something you're trying to lead them into a trap with your words like you're so much smarter than somebody is when you see that just leave that conversation where it is so he says just walk away from that flee those things and follow after righteousness don't follow after trying to get the ups on somebody follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience and meekness fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life what does he say lay hold on eternal life because eternal if you if you if you participate in carnal contentions eternal life is slipping away from you that's what he's saying things that relate to God's kingdom are way out of your grasp if you're arguing striving fussing trying to get something and trying to make somebody do something all that kind of stuff eternal life you're you're fighting in your flesh and eternal life has run away from you see and so when he says he says when you find yourself doing that let go of that that fight right there let go of that striving and go and grab and lay hold on eternal life again and nail it down and embrace it and possess it as your very own see the the impression they're giving here uh you all have seen greco what they call greco-roman wrestling that came from that era where you had to contain your opponent in a a confined space and you know, like nowadays they have like a circle that they have to go outside the circle your opponent's gotten away from you well that's the impression or the picture that that the writer here is trying to paint of something that these people uh, where Timothy was are are uh, familiar with that they're familiar with that as a, a sport and when you lay hold of your opponent and you can pin them down then you win the good fight of faith that's what he's saying he's saying you're in the flesh and you think you're a Christian eternal life is slipping away from you but you can go grab it back see just as easily as you got in a fight to, to contend with somebody over words or doctrine or something stupid you can grab yourself back and go pick up eternal life pin him down contend for that hold on to that you got me 
And so that's going to be your fight to let go of your natural inclinations to rise up in the flesh and then let that go and then pick up righteousness I'm a Christian I can't be doing this I'm supposed to be a meek person I've got to get a hold of my and lay hold of eternal life and grab that and pin it down and embrace it and not let it go that's what he means when you embrace your opponent what used to be your opponent and not let it go just like um, who was it Jacob wrestled with that angel it's such a picture of that because Jacob had lived his life conning people and robbing people and stealing from him, even his own family had a horrible reputation and so and it was like he was saying you know righteousness kind of comes and goes in my life I don't know what's wrong with me I can't I can't even keep a straight thought of how to do something right for longer than a few months and then I'm back at it again and so when that angel came by and he got close enough and Jacob realized that was his blessing that was going to be his turning point that was going to be what was going to set him free from his old ways he made sure that that angel did not pass him by because he knew he wasn't worthy he had no right to claim anything from God but then he was able to 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 get get on the good side of God by holding on to him it's it's a picture of how we are so quick to let the things of the flesh get our attention and go run after that and we're not willing to wrestle with God long enough to get embrace him and get him captured into our lives the way we because God will flee from the wicked he'll flee from strife he'll flee from the Holy Spirit will flee from us when we decide to get in the flesh and and start using he just lets you go on with the devil and so we he's God's always wooing us back and and luring us back but if you make up your mind you don't want God and you just want to be out there in the flesh he will let you you got me he'll never leave you or forsake you but he will give you a long leash to to run off with and and be stupid you know people who are are striving to hold on to God don't believe that but that's very true you look at people who backslide and see how long they stay out in the world and and do nothing you know they'll you'll see them they'll be real committed to the Lord for a season and next thing you know there's like they never knew God at all and so you have to understand that God uh, realizes what he's doing with people and we all have a covenant with God if you've been born again but you know the enemy can so blind you to it you'll think God's against you he's not fair he's not he, you believe all those lies see until you get converted what Jesus told Peter he said I know you think you love me I know you think you'll die for me he said but you're not converted yet and he proved it to him because before the cock crowed he denied <laughs> you know cussed that poor girl out all she did was say what you in here he called her all kind of names huh? and so, uh, so you, we have to be converted to something folks it'll shock you uh, how much people can go along with the things of God and not have it in their hearts and their souls certainly aren't converted to be able to make the right decision at the right time so when we fight the good fight of faith it's fought on many levels folks it's fought uh, number one in your decision making you've got to you've got to contend on every level when you have something an issue come up in your life 
where you decide you're going to get your help from makes all the difference in the world it makes all the difference in the world so when you contend on the the first level that you contend on of course is 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 when you uh, begin uh with the lord you need a word from god about what you want to do and you start out by understanding the will of god and what the word of the lord is personally for you Brother Hagen built a ministry on that, talking about the Rhema word, the word that's spoken to you. Either it lifts itself off the page of the Bible when you read it, or God can speak it to your heart. Of course, I like to get a written confirmation of things. You understand what I'm saying? It has to line up with with the written word of God. That's that's the knowledge of God where it's written. It's a, the uh, gay advocates wish they could burn all the Bibles up. They wish they could get rid of the knowledge of, of God's word in the Bible. They'd have it made because they can make up any story they want to and call it God. But we can't do that because there is this written record of the will of God, the expressed will of God. God and so whenever you contend for the faith you start out with God's word what does he say about your situation what does he tell you see sometimes people are too content with what what comes to their mind and thinking it's God they're too content with that in respect you need to open that word and, and allow God to speak whatever he wants to speak to you about your situation living by your wits is not eternal life that's just living by what somebody told you in the natural can happen for you and living by what you think is you know it's like whichever way the wind blows this morning and we have so much better than that you know we have so much more than that we have we have a sure a sure word of prophecy in the written word of god and so when we start contending for the faith you start out with the word of the lord or the word of god so we need to seek him and then he answers he through seeking is where you open the door other than that anybody can tell you anything is the answer and you'll believe it you run off with it so you make your requests known to god that's how you lock him into the answer you make the request you don't run out and ask 15 people what they think about something you have to go and ask god about that and so when you make your request known to god he will give you an answer of peace there is no answer if you if you get one idea in your mind and in the next five minutes you got another one you have not made your request and gotten your answer of peace peace settles things you don't need another word you've heard and you know what god is going to do and so that peace begins to settle it whatever our need is the answer must be the word and not just what we think we want and this is where the real uh, this is where the men and the boys so to speak are separated out is that you know if you're mature or maturing in God or, or you're in the will of God you want God's answer then you will accept his answer no matter what your flesh thinks about it no matter what your folks think about it no matter what your friends think about it uh, you can accept God's answer because it tends to settle things so once we 
we receive his peace that's more or less God's handshake on something he is telling you I've got this I've got you I've I've I've, uh, I'm going to do this for you. It's a, um, an obligation on his part to you personally. So then it takes the word out of the general category and brings it personal to you. So you can embrace it. So you can have it. And you have this sense that you are involved in it and it's not just a promise written on a page that you wish you could get. You got me? It it comes to you personally. And so that is his bond. That is his uh, legal tender. That's his down payment. Uh, That's his assurance to you. uh, When you have peace that that it's settled. You know, he's he's heard me and it's settled and I can trust that it'll come to me. Uh, That's when you know the word. Now, if you don't get peace, you keep reading the word until you get peace you just fill yourself up with more understanding of God more knowledge of God you seek him in a greater fashion you know what he's going to do and so you're able to um, just be comfortable in the fact that God has heard your prayer and he has heard your cry there are times when God will will uh, uh, help you in in your expectation of things I can remember when we first started the ministry uh, there were certain people that God would tell me consistently to approach if we needed say for instance we, we would have ministers that would come to the conferences and uh, Mr. Gary was one of them he'll tell you that we would have ministers that would come we had extra expenses and I would determine if we could help them based on what these people would give and, and it was never a different person it was all the time and so I felt comfortable approaching I would think it was him. Mr. Bryson was another person. I'm trying to think of some. I was probably the two of them, or maybe another person. I would say, you know, you got an extra. What anything extra, you know, because we need to bless these, and so forth and so on. And so God will do things like that for us sometimes. He'll give us a consistent uh, lead, but but that's not everybody, and that's not all the time. And that's not an excuse to abuse their generosity, and it's not an excuse to abuse. You know, I never went to them for my personal needs. You understand what I'm saying? It was always something related to ministry. And it was a blessing that God had afforded me that I didn't have to be concerned about how these people were going to be provided for. Uh, they were provided for. And, and, and these the people who gave were blessed. And they let me know that they were blessed out of it. And so we, we have to understand that there's a peace. And as long as I had peace about it, I could approach them. If it ever got to the place where I didn't have peace then I didn't approach you understand what I'm saying so it's good to understand how God leads us and I think there's so many people who miss miss God because they don't wait for him to to okay and and you know uh, approve their request you know I mean when you work for any company you can't just go out and spend the company's money you have to get approval you know and so so many people miss this or they start out with God's approval and then they advance to something else you know uh, advance to just putting it out there or going for themselves and so we we really have to to understand God's ways and so that we can stay in faith and continue to fight the good fight of faith so once we have peace we make a stand and confess a good confession 
We have a good confession about I am healed. His word says I am healed. None of these diseases that he put on the Egyptians and that means every disease you don't have to go back and study Egypt and find out what he's talking about he put everything and then some on them people I mean what didn't they get a headache would be a small thing considering you got frogs in the in your kitchen all morning long so what didn't he put on on them as a plague and a curse and so we're redeemed from plagues we're redeemed from curses and so we have to understand that that our our um to lay hold of eternal life and keep that in our lives uh, is a uh, uh, challenge but we can master that challenge it's not a challenge that we cannot master but we can master that challenge so we confess a good confession and make our stand and that's when the battle really heats up because when the enemy sees you willing to you know when everybody's trying to get better health care and they're giving it to everybody and the enemy sees you not going to the doctor and just taking your daily word your medicine of of the word every morning and and living by faith and believing God that you're healed and you know even if you you have uh say afflictions in your body you know kind of light afflictions you can you can stay the enemy off for the biggies you understand what I'm saying you (laughs) you can hold off the biggies by taking that stand and saying none of these diseases and and if you've got symptoms in your body don't embrace the disease part of it nope I don't care what my body's telling me I don't care what it says what it feels like I'm not receiving any disease because God's already spoken to me about that he said none of these diseases so I only receive what my father sends me I don't receive this other stuff and so we can make our stand and make a good confession so <clears throat> when we make a good confession it's always good to realize that we are a body of Christ and you there are other parts of the body that will connect with you sometimes in in an assigned fashion sometimes supernaturally you know there are times when God will use somebody if you even if it's just it's not a big thing you ever you ever notice sometimes when God helps you out through somebody else it's not really earth shattering what what you're facing you know sometimes you're just you know in a kind of a blah mood or you know you got things going through your head that shouldn't be going through there and and it's kind of putting a drain on you and then somebody will come up out of nowhere to bless you in a way you never thought you could be blessed before and you think to yourself my god you even thought about where did that I even ask for that it just came you know and so we have to understand that God helps our faith at every turn you are not in this alone you're not like here fighting the good fight of faith and struggling all by myself nobody else believes but me you know the old prophets used to say they get battle weary no I'm the only one left nobody's trusting God anymore I'm just out here by myself all that stuff and then God will say shut up I got 15,000 just like you you know you don't know everything you haven't seen everybody you don't know what I got you know and so God is able to send help to us it's good to have a prayer partner it's good to let them speak into your life it's good to respect 
them. You got me? Instead of making them your enemy too. You know? I mean, some people just have such contention and strife in them. And they fight everything and everybody. It's like nobody's a, a friend anymore. Nobody's and it's like they're out here by themselves. They think they're by themselves, you know, but they're not. And so we really have to understand how God moves, how he works, what he wants to do. He is helping us to win this good fight of faith, to receive. If he didn't want to help us receive the promises, he never would have made us promises. If he couldn't uh, if he wasn't sure he could get them into our lives, he never would have told us that he's going to do it. It's up to him. Once we make our stand, it's up to God to deliver. You don't have to manufacture it and deliver it and make it and all that kind of stuff too. It's up to him to deliver once we have made our statement. So we, we and once we have peace, we make a stand, make a good confession. Uh, you can share it with someone who can stand with you. I, I like prayer partners. I always have. I found that you don't get a whole lot of work done as a lone ranger. In fact, you you get yourself discouraged real quick, and you don't get anywhere with secrets. Because God has gifts of the Spirit where He can reveal the intent of your heart to people. So who are you fooling? You understand what I'm saying? Come on now. It's, it's amazing sometimes we, we don't want to share with a, a prayer partner and then you get up in the line where the prophet sees everything, you know, and will blab it. Some of them are more discreet than others. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, if you, especially for people who have all this pride thing, they don't want anybody to know what they're going through, like we can't tell. You're going through what I'm going through. You're trying to get through this life with as little trouble as possible and as much blessing as possible. We're all in the same boat. So welcome to the jungle, baby. Huh? I mean, your jungle might be a little bit greener than mine, but you know what I'm saying. It's all a jungle. So, yep. so it's best to get agreement because then somebody too is better than one. Amen. You have a good, because you have a good return for your labor and so we take advantage of us in in this because God says whatever two or more of you agree upon he'll do it he doesn't say that about single prayers if you ask anything according to my will I hear you if you know I hear you you know you'll have it you got me how do you know all those things you better get some agreement that's how you that's how you up the ante a little bit kind of like hedging your bet so to speak I mean, even a gambler has more sense than to try to go it alone. If you come on now, mm-hmm. I thought the most ridiculous thing was was buying insurance on a bet. You know, they they do that in the uh, and playing blackjack. I'm saying, why do you why do you call it gambling if you sell an insurance? But people bought it. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, you can insure a bet. That's for those people with the gambling devil that are so sure they're going to win. Oh yeah, we'll up the ante. We'll put some insurance on that. and You know, bust out and they get your bet and your insurance money. All state. But anyway, it's a whole different conversation. But the prayer of agreement ups your ante in the realm of prayer. Because agreement is so honored by God. 
see you got to look at what God honors he honors agreement and so because it's honored by God we need to honor it too and look at it as a help and not somebody trying to get in your business because you ain't got no business you know what I'm saying you got the same business we got uh, and you know it, it helps un- unload burdens off of us you know we I mean if you're carrying around that monkey on your back plus the problems too come on now let's get rid of some of that stuff so what the enemy wants to see is weakness and wavering in us if he can get us to waver he can get advantage it's like in a wrestling match if you're if you're flat-footed and you're keeping your balance and your enemy is it's going to be hard to push you off of your your stand you know off your position but if he can find weakness in you then he can make you waver and who doesn't have some weakness you see but it's covered in our righteousness when you fight the good fight of faith when you're in faith your weakness is covered by your righteousness it's like the champion's robe that he puts on you got me and so you're fighting robed so to speak because your righteousness covers your weaknesses your iniquities they're not exposed to the enemy and what he wants to do is push you and push you and push you to get you over in the flesh where your weakness is exposed and he can work on it and so we we kind of make sure that we keep ourselves trained and toned spiritually speaking you know you get in the word every day you make sure that you confess the word and and when uh, uh, symptoms come up or or your thoughts start to drift you know the enemy has different realms he can fight on he he fights in a low level in the spirit he can put doubt in your mind can manipulate circumstances to make it look like it's something other than what it is you know that you can bank on you can pretty much bank on the minute you start believing God for something especially if you start confessing it he'll start turning around situations in the natural to look like you didn't do the right thing all you gotta do is leave a lousy job and go to a new one and then they start rumors at the new job and you think oh boy I cashed in all my you know whatever you know my superior seniority and all that good stuff I had and that job was lousy to you for years and you needed to have left it a long time ago you finally get up the courage to leave it or somebody pushed you out (laughs) or somebody praying for you ask God to knock the props out from under it so you can be promoted sometimes your prayer partner is more confident in your ability than you do of course that's true if I'm over here and my bills are paid and yours aren't, I got all the confidence in the world that yours will get paid. It just works that way. Because huh? I can be uh, unburdened because of your situation. If I'm silly enough to get emotional about it like you are, and I'm not much of a prayer partner, but if I can take a stand with you and say, well, you know what the word says, so and so and such and such, and we're just going to believe God for that. Huh? Yes. Amen. 
that's why you partner with people and then in in the times of my you know meltdowns (laughs) if you can find me (laughs) I'm that little puddle on the floor (laughs) you understand what I'm saying Uh, you know you better come with a word for me you you understand what I'm saying don't come and puddle with me that's not I don't want that I don't need that you need somebody who's going to hold up the strength of God's word for you and encourage you up out of the pit amen you notice I didn't say I'm the strong one all the time. Don't get it twisted, folks. Don't think that you got the got all the goods because you know you're the one with all the answers most of the time. You know we all struggle. There's some things I won't have answers to, and sometimes I don't want to look for answers. I'm just in that kind of mood. <laughs> Somebody gonna have to come rescue me and mop up my little puddle and bring me out in the water and so forth and so on to pull it together. Mm-hmm. And and it's that way. It's life. Is listen. If you don't think you're gonna have trouble in this life, I got news for you. You just say reading your Bible. Read it. Don't read it upside down anymore. Read it right side up. Huh? So the enemy, if he can move us. How does he move us with reasons? The reason that you don't feel good is because you've got nope, none of those diseases. Nope, I don't have disease. God promised me none of these diseases. See, if you can fight it on the level of not receiving it, even after it looks like you got it, you can win this thing. So you can win this because you're laying hold of eternal life right in the midst of strife, confusion, contention, and everything else. Don't give in to it just because it's manifested in the natural. Are you kidding me? If you can pray against people who are, are uh, 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 carrying weapons in schools and all that kind of stuff and it seems to increase, then you can pray against some symptoms in your body. And one day God will come for your stand. Huh? He'll come for your stand. He's there with you. Comforting you, strengthening you, helping you, giving you more words to preach at this thing. And so he'll, he'll come for your position and your stand. The other thing he uses is, is uh, reports. News. You know, something to the contrary of what you believe in God for. And he will give evidence in the natural. The prince of the power of the air. He controls what you hear to a large degree. So you got to fight that. You got to go inside and listen to something else. Change the channel. Huh? Find out what's on WGOD. Huh? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. We just change it and, and go into the word. Get into the word. Especially when you find your mind being bombarded. Mm-hmm. The devil's found the rest of the haters down there that want to come and steal what you have and steal your confidence. So if he can do that, he can get you to disconnect from your faith. It just just feel like, well, this is too hard. It's like wrestling with an opponent that you had pinned. And all of a sudden they make a move on you and you decide it's too hard to go and grab them and pin them down again. And so you haven't laid hold on eternal life to keep it down. Many times when you uh, fighters will, will talk about you know what made so and so great and what some of them well you know he he was a good trainer he's hard as a rock but then most of them boil it down to there was something different about 
They couldn't they couldn't chalk it up to anything that they saw them do different in the natural. Like their training, their this, their that. But something inside of them was different. See, that's where the kingdom of God is in us. It's within. So we have to pull up that reserve from within that tells us, nope, don't let it get away from you. You lay hold on it again. Eternal life is for you. You can lay hold on it and keep it and embrace it so that it doesn't get away from you. So that's what we want to do. We want to lay hold on eternal life and possess it and keep it, not let it get away from us. The enemy will come and distract you. You know, sometimes you'll find uh, sports opponents will talk to their, you know, talk crap to them and smack to them and all this. You know, try to get them off balance, get their focus away from winning. You know, so if you're a good athlete, you got to learn how to stay focused even when your opponent is taunting you. That's an old that's an old Philistine tactic, you know? We've heard that before. So when you know the enemy's taunting you, you have to stay even more focused. It's like David did when he came up. He was focused on one thing. Who is this dude? I mean uh, he got something we don't know about? Who does he think he is? You know, to defy the armies of the living God? Are you kidding me? So he stayed totally focused on who this guy was and what was going to happen for the person that took him down. And see, people think, well, David was just in it. What are you in it for? What are you in it for? You're in it to take what belongs to God and God's people back from the devil. That's what I'm in it for. And of course I'm getting my share of it. Are you kidding me? You don't fight for nothing. You know, if you're you got bills due, you better be fighting so the devil will stay off your money. I mean, it'd be real nice if we could all fight, just you know, just. But uh, uh-uh. God knows we won't be too motivated. That's why our stuff is always attached to something that He needs to have done, huh? yep you know the people who who work in the vineyard are the first partakers of the fruit it's a law it's a kingdom law so we have to recognize and understand that but but you know god will bless you and help you and take care of you but you have to fight for it it's not going to be delivered right to your door and you're not going to fight carnal in a carnal fashion for it you're not going to try and, and take from people and bully them and con them and manipulate them you're going to use your faith for what you need and be satisfied that God has taught you his ways learning kingdom ways will take you a whole lot farther than natural could ever take you natural pretty soon you run out of people to to blow their minds and to manipulate you know so anyway all right so i want you to turn to judges chapter six we'll look at a character that i kind of like and you know he's he's uh a little bit of a colorful character because we see a person that went from from uh nothing to something just on the word of God just obeying the word of God man in Judges chapter 6 we see Gideon who um, was a mighty man of valor didn't know it 
and I think that's true for a lot of us we we have abilities that we don't know we have because we don't use them they don't get called up in the service we don't step up and say God here am I use me whatever it takes to to get your your uh, position changed from one of victim to victor uh, we we just don't take those steps and so here Gideon is and he's um, in a place of of shame and uh, impotence and when you feel weak it's because you stepped over onto the devil's territory somehow and so that weakness if it's not addressed and confessed to God and, and then you can allow God to strengthen you so forth and so on uh, then you if you don't have that conversation with God you'll stay in a weak position life will pass you by you'll see other people doing things accomplishing things and, and getting blessed and then you just never get it together and so weakness has to be addressed and then we have to be clothed in strength and righteousness in order to uh, be able to overcome these things so in Judges chapter 6 and verse 1 it said the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years so you can see God has no alternative but to allow them to go they've turned their backs on him he did not turn his back on them and this is the thing we need to understand when you have a covenant with God you have to keep your end of the covenant or he has no choice but to turn his back on you you've offered up worship to another God you've offered attention to another God so he will let you go off and serve that God and see how you like them apples got me and so there they are they're delivered into the hand of Midian seven years and Midian prevailed against Israel and because of the Midianites the children of Israel made them dens which are the mountains and the caves and strongholds so the enemy's influence in your life can create a stronghold there you got me that you make yourself see it's bad when you lock yourself into a a bad idea or a bad habit and refuse to change that's what this is it's something people habitually do that they make excuses for or they say it's not so bad and then it becomes a stronghold and they can't get out of it they see that with people that, that just you know don't know how to spend time with God don't know how to spend time alone with the Lord they don't know what to do with that kind of time I know what that's like because I started out kind of isolated in my walk with God being depressed and being in the house all the time after a while it it seemed to be a prison but God showed me how to make it a joy you got me by living with him uh, in a very active way living with God in that time and I found out that I spent spent a lot of time understanding God and his word understanding the ways of God that was very very essential for my growth to have that time where I wasn't distracted by my husband's demands because I was married at the time he was at work and that was my time to spend time with the Lord and it stayed that way you know for the duration and so we have to understand that God has plans for us even in situations that we think we don't want 
to have plans in. You got me? He's got plans for that downtime. He's got plans for that captivity time. And so the nation of Israel, because they were captive at the time, should have had the good sense to go to God and say, Now, this isn't normal, God. We usually, when we serve you, we have food, we have this, we have that. But what happens in situations like that where people know that they slip back in their position with God, if you don't recognize it as wrong and ask the question, see, this is the only thing that separated Gideon from every other Israelite was he asked the question. See, there's the question that we all need to ask God to get us out of our limitations. We need to. Because we know that's not right. God has promised us uh, freedom. He's promised us all kinds of situations that we can get involved in. He's promised us liberty. He's promised us growth and prosperity. And we build this little bitty box that we live in. That nobody can get in and we can't get out and we never grow. We never go beyond that simply because we know there's something wrong and we don't want to address it. This is Israel's problem. This is our problem. Mental strongholds. We limit our thinking to only, well, this is good enough for me. And that's really a lie because you don't know what God's got planned for you. And you're scared to ask. huh? And so when we find ourselves bound in like that, we when we're looking for what we call a breakthrough. Breakthrough is always money or a better job or something. But we don't want to get the preparation that goes with it. Breaking the stronghold. Getting the fear off. <laughs> stripping ourselves of all the nonsense. Getting those 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 uh, protections, I guess you would say. Really, a stronghold only protects you from your faith. You got me. It protects. If it's a protection, it is protecting you from the very thing you need to please God, and that's your faith. So a stronghold really isn't a protection at all. It becomes a prison. So the children of Israel built these. They kept running from the enemy and running from them and going higher up into the cleft of the rocks and building strongholds to where nobody could get in there. Nobody could get out. And they weren't living. And God uh, created these people to live. He says, I'll make you the head, not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. And so once they understood where they were they just kept living this life and living this life and living this life that's why God would send prophets and he'd send deliverers he'd send judges he'd send them with a message wake these people up tell them they can come out of their bondage I don't care if they built it themselves out of disobedience they can come out I still love them I need my people to do what I want them to do down here see that's the message the haters in your life don't want you to hear they don't want to hear there's freedom they don't want you to believe it's going to be better for you to come out of your box and start to live than it is that the, the haters like keeping you in that box because if you stay under the the dominion of a stronghold eventually you'll start to hate god sure you will you see it all the time you see it. You see how it starts. You start. You see. You know. You watch people. What they say. 
They start off with little issues against God's people. See, it's against God, but it's safer to blame people. And so they start up with little issues against God's people. Then they try to find a scripture to back it up. And then they get on a campaign to put the people of God down to elevate themselves. Well, that's not the gospel. You left the gospel so long ago. Now you build a stronghold for your little idea. And if somebody comes to try to break you out or break your people out so they can be free, then they're your enemies and they're jealous and all this kind of stuff. So it deteriorates very quickly from there. You need to let people free to, to know God they don't belong to you if they like your preaching fine if they don't like your preaching that's fine too but if people don't like your message or they've had enough of your message let them go on and get somebody else's message but you don't have to get up and try to defend your idea you're just building a stronger prison for yourself that you can't get out of then we got these people that they can't get back to God and everybody's praying for them they used to have such a good ministry and they used to be they built a prison for themselves in their mind and it started out a critique against God because of where they were. I've seen it. You know, you get people who are rising stars and they don't rise as high as everybody else or as quick as everybody else. And they get disgruntled and they build that prison for themselves. And they're critiquing everybody, they nobody, and then they all of a sudden come up with a doctrine that you know yeah. is above, superior. Why do you have to compare your what you teach to other people? Just teach it and let people receive what they receive. We're free around here to get what we need. So when you start defending yourself like that, you keep putting more bricks, more mortar, more bars, more stronghold. Nobody will be able to break you out pretty soon. So this is what the Israelites did. They they built themselves prisons that they lived in. It was bad enough the Midianites <coughs> were wouldn't let them <laughs> beat them up every time they went up. <laughs> like you know the, the bully that lives down the street and watches your door. You know somehow when you start running from them, they want to they want to really latch on to you. Then they watch every time you come out there out there to beat you up. So that's what the Midianites were doing to the Israelites. And really, all the Israelites had to do was want something better. And be willing to humble themselves to God to get it. See, that's that's all it takes. You desire, you know, wake up one morning and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you say, you know what? I remember living better than this in God. I remember the days when... And that's what Gideon did. That's all he did. He got honest instead of pretending like everybody else. He says, well, so when Israel had sown, the Midianites came up and, and brought brought their, their uh, gang with them. The Amalekite gang and, and all of them and came up against them and camped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. They didn't even want the food. They just trampled it down. They just watched them go out there and plant and they not be able to harvest wouldn't that under the curse of the broken law and God says that you will plant another person will come in and and take your harvest from you and so they destroyed all the increase of the earth and they didn't leave anything they didn't have any animals no food no nothing 
For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. So they brought the full armament up there. There was the, they it was it was their quest to overwhelm these people and overpower them and totally annihilate them. But God and Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and they cried unto the Lord now it's one thing to cry but it's another thing to get an answer and obey it see how many times have we cried out you understand what I'm saying and just for the sake of crying you know just and then God sends an answer and we just overlook that you know, because after the emotion of the cry is over, we kind of like had our fun with it. And so, you know, we can just go get our attention on something else. When Israel sighed by reason of the affliction of the Egyptians, there was nobody volunteering before God to go. You never see they cried and then so and so raised his hand and said, God, here am I, send me, I'll go. You don't see that. You just see a lot of wailing, complaining, and moaning, even when they got free and got over into the land of Canaan. They still were complaining. So cry, complain, whine is something that's normal for some people. They just live in a perpetual life of crying, moaning, and complaining. Huh? And when it's over, they're like back to normal again. It's almost like they want to program themselves to, to conjure up a cry when they just can't do anything else. Try to act like they're really upset about it. Israel was greatly impoverished and they cried alone. And it came to pass. Now this is what, <laughs> after all this crying, probably who knows how long it took. When the children of Israel cried to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel which said thus saith the Lord I brought you up out of Egypt brought you forth to the house of bondage so God is encouraging them because of an experience that they've had you ever been there you ever quit your whining for a little bit and then start to try and think about the goodness of God you know what a conflict huh you want to cry and God wants to encourage you well I don't know if I'm ready for that right now I've heard people said people said that to me you know you come up to the altar and they say, I don't know if I'm ready for that what you ready for besides crying so he sends a prophet he reminds him he brought he said I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and all that oppressed you drove them out from before you and gave you their land what that should do in the heart of a person is prick see look at where you are now you cried to me I'm answering you I'm telling you what I've done for you in the past and I said unto you, I'm the, the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites. Uh-oh, now see we're in trouble now. See, now we get into the root of the problem. Now we See, this is why prophets are hated most times. They always cut to the quick. It's like God knows not to send them unless he wants the job done and done now. See, this is the problem. You haven't done what I told you to do. Oh, really? 
Well, I've been doing the best I can. Well, what am I supposed to do? Uh-huh. Then there came an angel of the Lord and sat under the oak tree. See, God always confirms his word. He's following up on his instructions. He know, he's telling them. He's saying they know what to do now. Come on now. They knew all along. Most people when they're in sin, they kind of know when the party's over. If you don't, you're very slow. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree, which was in Ophrah and pertained to Joash the Abizarite, the son of Gideon, threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Well, that's not going to work. So he's doing the same thing everybody. He's building a stronghold under a wine press. He's going to hide a little bit of wheat down there. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So it looks like Gideon's numbers pulled. God does that. If he can't find a volunteer... After he's told him what the problem is, nobody wants to repent and volunteer, then he'll go draft somebody. He knows how to get his work done. And so he said, Gideon said to him, Oh, now this is this is doesn't look like the right answer, but it's the right answer. If the Lord is with us, why has this befallen us? Well, he either was hiding when the prophet preached or he forgot it that quick. See, that's why God follows up his his instructions with confirmations. You can doubt a hundred times if God told you he's going to do something for you and he'll take you to the same scripture he gave you the first time you ever prayed for it over and over and over again. Because he knows some of his kids are a little bit slow. And some of us are a lot slow. And some of us is off the chin. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, anywho, I mean, he makes it known to everybody what the problema is, and he says, "Oh my Lord, if you're with us, why is all this happening? Where are all the miracles which our fathers told us? Why is the Lord forsaken us? That why question is the right answer." Why? Because a person who asks why has a capacity in them to desire to turn it around. See, if you're in bondage and you're building strongholds and you don't, it's, you don't ask why because you know why. You know the problem's not with God, it's with you. And you're afraid to know that it's with you because then you might have to change to correct it. Amen. Amen. So we build a stronghold. Oh, God can't find me here. I'm going to build up some excuses and some reasons. He never find me in here. And I'm not going to ask why either. I'm not going to ask the why question. Huh? So Gideon asked the right question. Sometimes in order to be chosen to lead, all you got to do is ask the right question. It's not even about volunteering. It's not even about you just want to know the truth. You know, you're sick of this stronghold living and you're sick of this hiding stuff. And It's interesting. Most people who ask that question don't feel that they're qualified to do anything about it. They're just, why? Then God reveals to you why, and he always gives you a plan for the why not. 
huh? for them to turn it around. So here's Gideon, and he's asking the right questions. The whole t- the whole nation of Israel's impoverished, and the Lord looked upon him, verse fourteen. And he says, go in this your might and you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? I don't know. I'm just sitting here. Well, I'm sending you now. Words are always sendings. God does not just converse with people. You know, he's just chatting you up and how you been? I've been cool. How about you? How things in heaven? You know, no. You might as well put him on Facebook if that's all you're going to do. Let him punch like so you can add him up at the end of the day. (laughs) He said, haven't I sent you? Well, I guess so. It's it's talking and sending. Absolutely. Talking and sending are the same things. God's words have life on them. And he expects us to obey them and move out in them. And the Lord said, oh yeah, by the way, (laughs) I'll be with you. You know, in response to Gideon's whining. How am I going to save Israel? I'm broke. This is for people who think money's their only problem. Money's far from your problem. Huh? Gideon says, Well, it's gonna take money to fight this. It's gonna take money. It's gonna take money. <laughs> it's gonna take money to do everything. <laughs> and he says, How am I gonna save Israel? My family's poor and I'm the one in the in dad's house, you know, I got A D D, L S D, M F M J M A K L A L M O P. <laughs> I'm the one that takes the riddling in the house. Good, you're perfect for the job. Hmm? He said, Oh, no, don't worry about it. I'll be with you. And you're going to kill the Midianites as one man. Now, listen, when God gives us instruction, He always tells us the outcome, but we always forget the outcome. This first conversation, that's why you got to come back and repeat it over and over and over again. Because our minds are so nervous and blurred by the first part of it. Or some people look at just the outcome and think it's just going to sit in their laps. You know, they don't think there's anything in between to have to work out. And he said, and if I know that I found, verse 17, if I know I found grace in your sight, show me a sign. Hmm? So this is, this is appropriate here because number one, they don't have the new birth, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They have experiences with God and he has to speak through their natural man and connect with the supernatural that way. In the the in the uh, new covenant, he speaks to our spirit man, and then we what's in there we project out through our words and our actions to affect the outside world. So it just works the reverse, but God gets involved. You got me. However, we he does it. He wants to get involved. Gideon wants to see a sign. The other thing is that they haven't worshipped God in so long. 
you know and they used to have the reading of the tablets and all that kind of stuff and in the reading of the the word and the scriptures and so forth they didn't have that in so long he's probably grown up without even any knowledge of the word and not much historical knowledge that's why God when he would introduce himself I'm the God of Abraham Isaac I'm that one you know the one you ain't talked to in about 200 I'm that I'm that God so you know he just always introduces himself and identifies himself and so he says <clears throat> come unto he says uh, verse 18 don't leave until I come to you bring forth my present and set it before you and he says I will tarry until you come again get in went in and he, he made an offering okay and, and to connect with God you always have to make an offering when we come into worship we are presenting our bodies as living sacrifices yes holy and acceptable to God which the Bible says is just reasonable to do he paid for you so you're to be his living sacrifice so when you come into the arena of worship you let go of all your what you want to get out of the experience you let go and you offer up to God what belongs to him and that's praise adoration and your attention you, you have to have uh, that attitude in worship you know sometimes you know you can cry out to God or you can rejoice in God but don't let it get into a flesh party you know what I'm saying where you just talk the whole time or, or get out of pocket with that you're a living sacrifice that means no attention goes to you it all goes to the Lord and so when Gideon offers that thing up and, and, and he the angel of the Lord appears to him in verse 22 and the verse 23 the Lord said to him peace be unto you fear not you shall not die people always thought they would die if they saw God face to face even though Moses had a history of being face to face with God and lived and Gideon then built an author this altar this is a turning point this is a turning point this is where he begins to lay hold of eternal life because he is building this altar to the one true and living God right in the midst of Baal worship in the in the nation of Israel that's like you uh, uh, putting a scripture on your house where everybody is saying that's a violation of their first amendment rights you understand what I'm saying so you make your stand and you put your stake in the ground right through the devil's heart while you're at it and and then you call it Jehovah Shalom that is the God of peace and it they say it's there until that day next thing to do is that in verse 25 it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him make another sacrifice and I want you to cut down the altar of Baal and the, the place where they worship they had a grove where they worship and verse 26 build an altar to the Lord your God upon the top of the rock in other words don't just build this one here he said I want you to go right into the enemy's camp and confront him and put tear him down and see in tearing down that altar should bring the strongholds of the people of God see that brings them out where they see some people somebody says it's safe now the rest of us can come out and speak got me see that happens when you when God gives you a national platform 
and you take a stand for him you'll find it's all kind of people that love God and want to speak up for him and that releases people who have the like mind like attitude like everything that happened when we when we were praying against Jack Kravorkian remember they refused to indict him for murder and they and people little bit by little bit when they saw the prosecutor preparing a case you saw all these groups of people now coming out of the woodworks protesting what he was doing you saw all these people who were um, advocates for uh, for the handicapped for the emotionally disturbed all these people started to to congregate and gather together they got confidence because of one person willing to make a stand that always happens when God's involved all he needs is one person to speak for him and then it will it, he'll he'll reveal to you there's all kinds of people in bondage to this idea that I've never wanted to be held captive and so Gideon then burns down the altar of Baal and he in verse 27 he took 10 men and did as the Lord told him to do because he feared his father's household and the men of the city he couldn't do it by day so he did it by night so I mean God will I mean if you if you're squirrely and you don't want to be bold obey you got me just just obey get to the next level and obey and so he God allowed him to to do it the way he felt he was capable of doing it and but when the people got up the next morning that thing was taken down see you want the results you don't necessarily want a lot of fanfare I wish we could get some of our leaders to understand that you don't have to have a public you know you don't have to have a public platform for everything you do for God you know just obey God and be faithful to do what he told you to do so and then that everybody now is is after Gideon they want (laughs) to you know they want to do him in because he's torn down the altar of Baal you know the enemy's always going to give you some backlash when you do the right thing he's going to come and threaten you again because you did the right thing so Gideon then is is able now to go to the next step and that is preparing for battle against the Midianites see every time you get a victory it should embolden you and give you more courage than you had the last time the other thing too is the influence of these other gods is diminishing every time he confronts Baal his influence diminishes this is something we don't recognize a lot as believers and as warriors and as watchmen that every time we speak against the works of darkness their influence is diminishing they get when you bind the devil he got to let go of of a, a conversation he was having with somebody or was planning to have with he's got to let some stuff go every time you speak against him that's why he tries so hard to get people not to pray you understand what I'm saying our visitor yesterday uh, the uh, Apostle Bennett was her name she has a prayer ministry and she said it's just getting so hard for me to continue and keep my people together she said you know uh, she was saying she had some physical challenges and some things I said oh honey I know you know it's like pull up a cup of tea and let's chat for the whole rest of the day but I didn't go there you know I just, uh, just Roy. but you know in a way it confirmed some things that I've experienced you know and that these attacks don't come out of 
nowhere. They are planned. And they are strategically planned to see if we can relinquish our hold on what we're doing for God. And so when we when we just continue to plow through and go on, then God will be with us and will help us. You know, at some point, you get to the end of the tribulation, you know, and then you can start to to plant a little bit again and, and see some new things uh, come up. So anyway, Gideon's there, and now he has the final battle. And we know how he did this. He needed another sign from God. He, you know, he uh, did he do the fleece already or not? I think this was the, the time where he had the fleece. You know, God let the fleece be wet and then let it be dry and all of this. He's confirming in the natural because this is a big deal for him. And when it's a big deal for you, God understands it. You understand what I'm saying? And if you need to have what God wants to do and you confirm then you get it confirmed but it was his way of connecting to God and taking on faith and assurance and getting confident that's there's nothing wrong with wanting to be confident in God and confessing to God your weakness and confessing to God you don't know what you're doing and confessing to God you'd rather have somebody else do it you know what I'm saying all of the above and so once we we get all of that out of us and we make up our minds we trust God that's the thing you must make up your mind you are going to trust God and finish the thing out see and and, and go in, in the strength of the Lord and that's all that you need well he gets his fleece God understands him there but after that God starts to do his thing so you can excuse me you can look for God to have patience with you but then at some point you got to trust him you got to let go of the you know the pacifier and the and the binky and the blankie and just man up and woman up and say okay god now i trust you you know though you slay me i'm still going to trust you i don't know what's coming around the corner and god god has to prove to Gideon that he wants to not only get the nation of Israel back on course in their poverty get them to worshiping him but he's got to let everybody know he's God and and this is his show and so God wants to be glorified in everything and Paul said glorify God in your body you know the way you look the what you put on whatever whatever let them know God's coming when you step in the door you understand what I'm saying and so he wants glory out of this and what he does is he diminishes the number of people that are going to fight Gideon starts out with an army he's feeling pretty good about it until God tells him get rid of some of them he said number one them scared people is got to go you know they're going to wind up hurting you and hurting everybody else so get them out of there so the fearful are left behind the nervous are left behind all of that stuff is left behind don't think that's going to be your excuse for disobeying God all of your life because he don't take them scared if you're a believer he didn't give you that spirit you can renounce it just like you renounce everything else you don't want in your life and go on but everybody's going to have to to man up at some point and confront their fears and, and step out of it and that's all this is is stepping out of your fear and stepping over into the will of God and, and position yourself there as a person as a force to be reckoned with in the earth 
And so God wants us to be bold and to be confrontational when we need to be and loving and gentle and kind when we need to be. And you've got to know the difference. If you don't learn how to fight the devil, you'll wind up fighting God's people. You'll fight the very people that God put there uh, for you as a strength and a help. Because your flesh is just going to tell you everything's your enemy. Being in the spirit helps you discern who the enemy is and who the enemy is not. And so Gideon when uh, when he destroys the altar of Baal he gets ready for the battle and he God makes him get rid of some of the people the fearful went first and then God said let me pick the people I want that's a good thing because you wouldn't know who's battle ready and who ain't because people will talk a good game and quote a lot of scriptures and, and then when it comes to fighting the devil they wind up turning on you and running away in the time of trouble. I've seen it over and over again. You know, We'd have people that we, we could work with for a number of years and then all of a sudden something in them doesn't want to go further anymore and you have to disconnect from them. And so that's just the way it is. But God always brings somebody else. So you get invited to this battle. You don't just invite yourself. You don't pass out a business card and want to come and go along with somebody and I'm going to be there with you and fight for you. But very few people are. And so you God invites the ones he wants to invite to the battle. They wind up winning just by blowing trumpets and breaking pitchers. And that was their... <laughs> that was there and so God wants people who will obey simple instructions mm-hmm. to the person who's looking to make a name for himself blowing horns and breaking pitchers isn't that's not their thing they don't want anything that's going to look stupid just like the people who make fun of people that that drive around and pray in tongues and you know put their hand out against buildings to break the satanic power and stuff like that you know they wouldn't do it in a million years because it looks stupid to them because it, they didn't it's not got enough flesh in it for them see or it's not got enough places to hide because they would love to be able to hide from warfare forever instead of going out and confronting evil the way these people do I say to myself at least they're making a stand at least they know where the enemy is and they're they're speaking against it they're doing something against it while the others are he 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 and making fun of them but they're more fearful than these people are because God can correct you if you're out there working for him and you make a wrong move he can correct your steps and bring you around but he you better not let the naysayers and the people who make fun make your decision for you and then woe to them that they do that to you and stop you from trying to obey God and stop your faith so I'll get involved in all that nonsense with people I got better things to do and so Gideon then is able to let God uh, uh, pick his uh, the the warriors God uses his own criteria for picking people and he's able to get people who will do what he tells them to do and that's all he wants the obedient so God sifts the obedient out of that group of people and brings Israel to a mighty deliverance but the, the era of the judges was like that it was back and forth you know they get free they stay free for a season then they write back with the Baal worship again and so but he wants our Christian lives to be not like that folks we're not Israel and we're not 
chronicled as an example we're chronicled as the bride of Christ and God has a work in us perfecting us to do exactly his will all of the time no sliding back because we're faithful to him amen father we thank you for your word and for understanding of your word and we thank you Lord that you're coming with the sword of Gideon and the sword of the Lord father that you are tearing asunder everything that keeps us bound keeps us oppressed and keeps us separated from you and so Lord we break all separations against you in the name of Jesus and we thank you father that we are people who will obey you we're people who understand you and we want your will we we want to be free we come against strongholds in our minds and our lives that we have built to protect us from your faith and we release ourselves father to be free and to live in faith and to live in victory in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 if anybody needs prayer you can come on up praise the lord praise god thank you lord praise you jesus hallelujah